Hello, and welcome to Special Ed Rising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I've been an active member in the field of special education for 35 years as a classroom teacher, tutor, parent trainer, consultant, and advocate. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities as an information hub and promoter for the advancement of people with disabilities in all areas of life. So if you're interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more, this is the place for you. If you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. And for some extra help to inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialedrising.com. I would love to feature your success stories on the show, so if you'd like to contribute, please send them to my email so we can show the world what's possible. I'd like to add a new feature to this podcast, something a little different that will stretch it and keep it growing. So this year, I'd like to periodically present my impressions, observations, and insights into movies that address disabilities, with takes on anything from exploring their themes, sharing my perspective on how a disability is being presented, lessons I've taken and would like to share with you, commentary on the times they were made, investigating their potential value in helping you on your journey, and more. I feel that cinema has the potential to be a great mirror for the past and present. It's here that subjects can be explored and exposed, and where we can imagine, examine, agree, disagree, and challenge our perceptions. It's in film where the opportunity is presented for shedding light into areas that are less known, taboo, misunderstood, or ignored. It's here where we can explore the vast world of disabilities and use this platform to shape or reshape our thinking on how we view others with disabilities and how those with disabilities experience life and show us their superpowers. In this episode, I'd like to lead off this series of discussions by presenting to you a film entitled Dominic and Eugene. After that, stay tuned for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. So start popping that corn, kick back, and punch your ticket to another win. As a younger man, I was actively involved in acting in local theater, and I had a very small taste of off-off-off-Broadway life in New York City, off by a good 30 blocks at least. During that time, I was able to act in a play, be involved in workshopping pieces, and doing table readings. It was a lot of fun and was born from my interest and passion for movies. I was a terrific movie buff, exemplified by my membership in a nearby indie movie house for years. Recently, however, that passion has tailed off, but I find myself sort of leaning back to movies of late, and I I do appreciate the films I've always loved and value a good story. I was about to begin searching for the first movie I'd review here, and I happened to turn on TCM and began watching a film from 1988 called Dominic and Eugene. At first, I was pulled in by the actors portraying these characters, Ray Liotta and Tom Holtz, without knowing the story. As I was watching, I realized this absolutely fit the cinematic theme on disabilities that I wanted to explore. So like a gift from the universe to me, I now share with you, Dominic and Eugene. IMDB summarizes the story as Dominic and Eugene are twins, but Dominic is a little bit slow due to an accident in his youth. They live together with Dominic working as a garbage man to put Eugene through medical school. Their relationship becomes strained when Eugene must decide between his devotion to his brother or his need to go away to complete his training. Things are also not helped by Dominic's co-worker or Eugene's budding romance. 
The actual film stock of this movie was very much at the time of the 80s. It's quite distinct, and I was curious enough to know what made it emblematic of that time. So I researched it, and what I found explains exactly what I couldn't describe. Movies made in the 80s and prior often have visible imperfections, specks, streaks, and picture wobbles due to the limitations of film technology at that time. The 35mm film used back then was more prone to wear and tear, which could result in these imperfections. That said, I could identify it as an 80s movie immediately. Uh, Maybe you know what I mean. For me, it was a bit nostalgic, so I didn't mind. I think film quality can influence how a film is perceived as much as the story and the actors. I know that doesn't have anything to directly do with the movie as far as my interpretation of it or the meaning that you derive from it, but I do think that films from different periods evoke different feelings. And that was just the first observation I I had for the film. Now, Dominic and Eugene takes place in Pittsburgh, and the protagonists, two brothers, live together above an Italian meat store. From the start, we enter a world where it's apparent that they are not well off, indicating a sense of daily struggle and managing within a limited and confined space, which could be a metaphor for the limitations and trappings of their sibling existence. With Dominic, we meet a man fraught with conflict between his own ambition and an overwhelming sense of responsibility for his brother's well-being. Eugene is an innocent and lives a very simple existence, dependent upon the assurance that his brother is there for him. Eugene had an accident that left him, quote, slow, as they say in the film. He's high-functioning and capable of taking care of himself with some oversight. He has a full-time job in sanitation, and while Eugene is able to hold down this job and carry out daily living tasks, he's very susceptible to believing what others tell him. His gullibility puts him into situations that make him a mark for public mockery or put him potentially into harm's way. Dominic is filled with stress and worry over his future and the future of Eugene's care as he progresses towards his residency on his way to becoming a doctor. This strain is one of the things that causes him to be a powder keg, exploding at every misstep that Eugene makes. It's uncomfortable to watch these moments as, while I sympathize with Dominic's own pain and struggle to keep Eugene safe, And to be honest with him about the future, I hurt for Eugene, who just wanted to know Dominic's love, as Dominic in this story is his world. The story holds up for me until a contrived Hollywood ending that creates a different kind of tension for dramatic story purposes, which is fine. They needed a device to help resolve previous actions, and it's an enthralling enough choice. I think more powerful climax might have focused on the consequences of the abusive outside world targeting Eugene. Perhaps a more insightful and sensitive dramatic action might have been born of such encounters. That being said, the subject of abuse and bullying is glaring throughout this film, but it's not directly addressed aside from Dominic's volatile reactions and tended to clean up some messes. This aspect of the film, the mistreatment of a person who suffered brain damage, startled my senses, making me recoil at its barbarism. The depiction of how, in the 1980s, disability was looked at and how disabled people, particularly those with mental deficiencies, were treated, made me examine what is different today and how far we have come as a society in recognizing, and while we have a long way to go, accepting disabled people as equals to non-disabled people far more than when I was a boy. From scope.org.uk, I found this piece from a man reflecting on his experiences growing up in the 1980s in England as a disabled boy. Quote, I'm Darren. I have hemiplegia cerebral palsy on my left side due to a severe head injury soon after birth. 
Despite a positive shift in the disability rights movement, the 1980s were not a good decade to grow up if you were disabled. To put it bluntly, my life at school was hell. I was the only disabled child at both my primary school and secondary school. Except for about four or five friends, I was bullied by a lot of people in my year. Forget being called Darren. One of my many names I was called was Spastic. This continued until I left school, and even then, I was still called it every so often. Looking back at it now, I see that because of the way disability was portrayed on screen, those I went to school with didn't have any positive images of disabled people to look up to. Many argue that children today still don't. The attitude towards disability in the 1980s was very much one of pity and being portrayed as needing others' help to achieve anything. This was reinforced by television telethons, which show the negative side of disability, never the positive side. I think it's probably fair to say that disabled character portrayals in America mirrored that of England at the time. Our topic film certainly shows several instances of bullying and abuse at the hands of people, mostly boys and men, teens to adults. Eugene is made to feel like nothing, so his need and attachment to Dominic is critical to his sense of security and sense of self. He's innocent, which allows him to meet each new day with fresh eyes, as long as he feels his brother's love and presence. I think it can be argued that today disabled people are regularly represented in TV and film in a more positive light. I agree that we still have a long road ahead, but children now are more exposed in real life, in school and after school and clubs and sports, to disabled people so they don't have to rely solely on the representation of the culture from what they see on screen. I think the more we support the reality on the ground with portrayals, fictionalized or real, in entertainment, the more potential there is for cultures to merge with greater understanding and respect. There will always be haters and bullies, but my hope is that, with education, we can build compassion to minimize this. We live in a harsh world where leaders mock the disabled. That kind of behavior cannot be tolerated. Education in schools and things like film have the power to make societal changes and overcome our differences. We need to decide what we really want as people. Do we want to live in a world of us and them, or can we ever truly recognize that we're all just people, different and of value? Eugene knows the bullying is wrong, and he rejects it, but he's incapable of doing anything about it, which leaves it up to his brother, who only sees red at each mistreatment of Eugene. His vengeance is threat-filled and ultimately unproductive as it's paired with blaming Eugene for putting himself in the way of the wrong people, as if Eugene knew any better. This teaches Eugene nothing and only makes him more desperate for Dominic's love. I was, however, happy to see some positive representation of Eugene in terms of his being very capable of holding down a job and taking care of his dog. I feel this helps to create some balance for him. He's not an entirely lost person. He manages to have a friend, Larry, for better or worse, almost by default as it's slim pickings in his world. He works with Larry, who enjoys teasing and misleading Eugene at times, but we see that he has some redeeming value eventually. Eugene would never be the dominant arm of a friendship, but while he is gullible, he can detect overt abuse and reject it. However, he is like fertile soil, absorbing the seeds of lies which create rotted misunderstandings and rancid alternative realities. Dominic is a troubled soul who's trying to make good on his responsibilities to Eugene, but he's overwhelmed at times and carries guilt from secrets past and present that imprison him. As he tries to make room for himself, the fallout for Eugene is one that I feel many caretakers can relate to. So often I ask parents how they're taking care of and finding time for themselves. 
Often still, there is a sarcastic or hopeless laugh that follows. But the reality is that we all need space for our sanity. Without it, we cannot be our best for our kids. We need to know when to walk away and invest in us, even momentarily, so we can come back stronger for them. And I know this is so challenging. I, I think this film does a good job of showing that internal and external struggle for Dominic. This is not an easy movie to watch. It, it may challenge you to stick with it for some of the harshness that it portrays. But I think that performances are superior with these great actors. Jamie Lee Curtis also has a supporting role, which gives it an authenticity that might have been lost with lesser talent. I found myself caring for the brothers, empathizing and sympathizing with their struggles, and being reminded how cruel we can be to those that we perceive to be different. Take a chance on this film and let me know what you think. I'll be talking about more films of all genre types related to the topic of disabilities in the weeks and months to come. I hope you'll join me. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from crisisprevention.com. When looking to de-escalate your child during a meltdown, remember this tip from CPI training. Use non-threatening non-verbals. The more a person is in distress, the less they hear your words, and the more they react to your nonverbal communication. Be mindful of your gestures, facial expressions, movements, and tone of voice. Keeping your tone and body language neutral will go a long way towards diffusing a situation. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children, or remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent training through my email, specialedrising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about, and until next time, peace and keep rising. <laughs>